I don't know what you were saying, but I probably didn't like it. JudgeCast. This is episode number 64, where Nintendo started to get great, right? Eh? Super Mario 64? I think Nintendo was great back at it was, the original you know, 8-bit. Yeah, you're right. But we weren't no. here But we weren't here during episode no, 8. we were not. All right. With me, I have my two lazy co-hosts. Well, first off, I got Brian Prillman. Hello! Hello! Hello, interwebs! Unfortunately, Jess Dunks was not able to join us. So, instead, we got the Mississippian Chris Lansdale, Adam Hubble. Close enough. <laughs> Hello, Adam. Hello, Adam. CJ Hello. and B-Pro. Hello. So, Adam, who the hell are you? Yeah, where are you from? I am Adam Hubble. I'm an L2 from uh, Jackson, Mississippi. I'm originally from England, as my accent may give away. Um, I moved to the States about six years ago. Uh and I'm a recent L2, and only the second one we have in Mississippi. So that's who I am. So so Adam is doing good and great things in Mississippi, uh, which has been a, a, an OP wasteland for a long time. <laughs> that's the polite way to say it. Well, yeah. <laughs> am I it, it's all right. It's getting better now because of your efforts. Yay! Yay! Yeah. So, so uh, uh, we asked Mr. Hubble to come on and talk to us about all the fun stuff. Wait, all the great things in Mississippi. <laughs> New magic things. You have a river, right? We do. I, I understand. It goes river. everywhere. Everyone has our river. It's nothing <laughs> special. All right. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about Gate Crash. Or no, not Gate Crash. Dragon. Maze. We're gonna talk about Dragon's Maze. I don't know what are we are we really talking about Dragon's Maze? Yep, we can finally talk about Dragon's Maze. We have the yeah! ask questions and we're Whee! going to uh have a blast with those. But first, we have some news to talk about real quick. First off, uh, we have a new JAR document finally. I think Judging we, regular, yes. Yeah, we've been waiting on this thing for a year or something. Years. Feels like a year. Uh, we're not going to go over any of the changes right now, but if you are running a pre-release this weekend, we definitely recommend you go read that. There will be a link to it in the show notes. In addition to that, we have a new IPG. Now, is that IPG actually released as of this recording? Uh, yes. It's out. It, it, it came out yesterday. It oh. becomes official on uh, the 3rd of next month. Yeah. Okay. And there's new uh, MTR as well. Yep, and a new MTR. So we're going to talk about any changes in those documents on the next episode. But like I mentioned, if you're running a pre-release this weekend, make sure you just you go and read over the jar. It's, uh, it's two pages. You'll be fine. Right. And and most of most of the changes in these documents are almost non-functional. Yeah, I, I mean, there a lot of them is like clarifying. There, there's a lot of it's like this is the way policy is or or was. We're just rewording it to remove questions to make it clearer. So uh, uh, we'll be we'll be talking about that kind of stuff right now. But if you understood it before, you're probably going to understand it. St- uh, you know, again, you yes. know, you don't need to read it. You'll you'll do it correctly. This, this isn't like when we got a brand new trigger policy in the IPG. It's all no. We're all on a little uh, breather from that. Yeah, the the big change in the jar, uh, spoiler, is they actually they actually call out. They have a section now on what happens when I miss with my trigger. Yeah. So if you want to know what happens, go read it before the event. Otherwise, we'll see you in a week talking about it. Pew, so, pew. You're saying the news. same stuff you've just said. No, hey, but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll talk a lot 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 more about it though. All right. The other news is that well, first off, regrowth is unrestricted in vintage. So get out there, regrowth what? brewers. Yeah, <laughs> you can just 
regrow your regrowths. Just regrow train chain all the way down. But secondly, and the one I'm more interested in is Second Sunrise. Has so been happy about this band in modern. So screw you, eggs. <laughs> Pretty all much. Right. So the reason why this card was banned, and they they're very unapologetic about it too. And and every judge probably when we saw that Second Sunrise was banned, we knew exactly why. Yeah. And, and here's why: uh, when we're judging, we have this thing called end of round, where we we have a guy who has the list of all the outstanding tables, and he sends judges out there to sit on the match. You know, make sure the players aren't playing slowly collect the slips bring them up so we can turn the round faster okay because when when we go to time you know we don't that that affects those five rounds cuts into our round turnaround time and you know seven minutes after the end of round and we're like hey what's going on at table 15 someone goes over to 15 and they come back and it's they're in turn two the eggs players trying to go off yeah and or it's like 12 minutes you know into the end of round it's like oh it's on turn four the eggs players trying to go off so really guys eggs decks for these long events they add like an hour onto the event so you know be thankful you're going home an hour earlier now because second sunrise is banned you know and i'm not too surprised that they banned it but i'm surprised that they honestly said why they banned it which is exactly what you just said i didn't expect them to be so forthcoming with that they they did the same thing with uh with top you know and people so it top i think was the first one where they were just like look guys you're going top crazy it's taking too long (laughs) so people it's not like the first time and they don't have to like you know kind of couch their uh you know hide it a little bit they just come out and they're like guys you're killing us yeah but yeah people get to go home an hour early because you can't play eggs still can okay. you just can't have second sunrise so it'll probably oh, okay not yeah, be good we'll find <laughs> there so. they won't all right so, yeah. we also have two new level threes first off we have jasper overman from the netherlands and pierre lacroix from france <laughs> well he's got r's and when you in french you don't pronounce ours or so i've heard adam as a european uh, uh, as an englishman you don't want my opinion on frenchman or how his name is <laughs> actually i think i do want your opinion it on is. How slam to a new level three i'm sure pierre Lequer, uh, or pierre Le... i don't know how his name's pronounced but well done on becoming l3 <laughs> all right anyway on to dragon's maze dragon's maze yep the big new mechanic or not new mechanic, but uh, the big thing in Dragon's Maze, beyond having all 10's guilds, is it's going to have split cards back. Woo! Woo! I, I'm actually pretty excited. I never got to play with split cards when they were out, uh, the three other times they were out. Has it been three? Yeah, it's actually been three. It was Invasion, um, Plane yeah, Chase, or not Plane Chase, but uh, Plane... Is in Planar Chaos? Planar Chaos. And also... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Ravnica. Right. Uh, the last... The last... Uh, hey, the third set, which the was... The third set. Dissension as well. So I thought we'd take a moment here to go over split cards because there could be a lot of people who haven't played with them and they have their own little intricacies uh, before we even go into the new mechanic about split cards, which is called Fuse. And I wanted to use as an example card as we discuss these uh, down and dirty. So a split card is two cards and you just smash them together. So they're both on the same card. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've seen a picture of them at least somewhere. So down and dirty is uh, two different cards. Down part costs three and a black and the dirty part costs two and a green. <laughs> the dirty. Part. Yeah, I <laughs> know. As I said it, I was like, anyway, um, down says target player discards two cards and dirty says return target card from your graveyard to your hand. They also have the ability Fuse, which we'll get to, but let's just pretend the Fuse isn't there for right now. 
So there's two times you there's two kind of situations as far as I see it that apply to split cards. And one is how they are when they are not on the stack, and one is how they are when they are on the stack. Which one of you guys would like to talk about them not on the stack? When a fuse card is not on the stack, or a, a split card rather. Uh so when it's not on the stack, it it has both sets of characteristics. So uh jumping back noise down and dirty. Down and dirty is both a black card and a green card. So it's multicolored. Yep. Uh uh however or or rather if a if a but it's you know if a card asks or an effect asks for you know search your library for a black card, great, it finds it. Search your library for a green card, great, finds it. Um if it asks for uh, down costs total of four, dirty costs a total of three, and it asks, you know, hey, can you find a sorcery that costs with a converted mana cost of three? Great, it'll find it. Uh, if you reveal it to a dark confidant, you know, you're going to lose life equal to its converted mana cost. You're going to lose both four and three because when it says, hey, what's this? Con- what's this card's converted mana cost? You're going to get four and you're going to get three. Well, anything else you wanted? No, you just you just nailed them all. Although I use the example Dusk Mantle Seer since that's actually relevant to the block. Oh, hey, it's in the show notes. I should probably <laughs> read. I should probably read that well, stuff. It's funny because you said everything in the show notes. You just yeah <laughs> didn't use the same cards. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think we've well established that I don't use the show notes yeah. as so, any more than a rough outline. Let's say you have um, Bloodbraid Elf and you cascade into a fuse card. So Bloodbraid Elf costs four. And with Cascade, you do reveal from the top until you reveal one that costs less. Uh, what happens when you hit down and dirty, ignoring the fuse part? Adam, do you know? Uh, sorry, what? What happens when you cascade into down and dirty? <laughs> uh, getting down and dirty. Yeah, now you're going to have to make me look up what Cascade actually is. Being a new L2. Okay, See, so I let told me, you were going to edit stuff let out. Me, well, yeah, right, like I'm going to edit out. Um, but let me, tell, let me tell a little story from before the show, because I was talking about something, and Mr. Adam Hubble was like, so I'm going to have to look up these cards. And I was like, well, which one? He's like, Path to Exile. And I was like, what? I didn't play before M10. I don't know any of these things. You know, okay. Okay. (laughs) So when you when you cascade, okay, you start exiling cards from the top of your library until you exile a a non-land card whose converted mana cost is it's. Less, less it's just less less than the than the spell. So Bloodbraid Elf has a converted mana cost of four. So you're gonna flip, flip, flip until you get a card that's three or less, and you are going to flip over we're still using down and dirty, right? Let's just use down and dirty all the way. I'm looking I'm looking at the show notes. Um <laughs> I'm gonna we're gonna flip over down and dirty. And so Cascade's gonna ask, Hey, does this card have a converted mana cost of three or less? And it's going to get back a no for down and a yes for dirty, which means ding. Yes. You can you can now cascade into this. Now, when you cascade into it and ignoring fuse, ignore that for just a second. Uh, I can now cast the card, okay, without paying its mana cost. But when I cast it, I get to actually choose whether it's down or dirty. So I can actually get the down effect, which costs four, uh, uh, off of off of a Bloodbraid Elf Cascade, because the dirty part met the uh, met the criteria for basically finding the card. And then once I get that, I can just cast it, and so I can cast either half. Yeah, perfect. So Whee! yeah, and just like you said, so that's that's how you cast a split card. Is what you do is you have it's like 
like Boom Bust. That's an old, old card. It had like a, you know, a cost of like one side had a cost of like one or two and the other side had a cost of six. Right. Um, it didn't have fuse. That's what you do is you is you choose one side and you say, I am casting this side. And so on the stack, that's all that exists is that side that you choose to cast. Yep. So it, is, it either is. has one color or it has the other. Right. And so it has either one converted mana cost or it has the other. Um, and where this changes, uh, well, uh, retracting a bit, look, when things go on the stack, this is like, you know, if it's come back from, from flashback or, or anything like that. Um, however, when it comes in from your hand is where Fuse comes in and it then slightly changes how the characteristics of the, the spell on the stack is seen. And that will lead us into the new Fuse mechanic. Look at that segue. Fuse. So, yeah. so fuse. So basically, if you look at a split card, it's like I can cast the left side or I can cast the right side. And those are your two choices. What fuse does is gives you a third option. I can cast both sides together as one mega card. It's, it's like that song Ebony and Ivory yes. live together in perfect harmony. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like a Reese's yeah. peanut butter cup. It is. You got chocolate in my peanut. You got dirty in my down. You got down in my dirty. That's so bad. That's wrong. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know ch- choosing this card would lead to these kinds of discussions. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So, say I have down and dirty in my hand, and I choose to cast it fused. What does it look like on the stack? Then it'll be. It'll have a converted mana cost of seven because now the cost of the card is just the two costs added together. So it's five black green on the stack. Yes. Uh, so and it. Oh, go ahead. Tabak tweeted a, a a very simple way to think about fuse, and he basically said, "Hey, that line in between the two halves of the card, just get rid of it." Yeah. And 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 as, if you think about it at that, all the questions of, "Well, what is what's its converted mana cost on the stack?" Well, the line's gone. Add it up. What is it? Well, you know, how do I read the card? What sides do I do first? Well, you read right to left. Left to right. Or no? Well, we're international. Unless you're Hebrew, yeah. Yeah, you read left to right. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> I don't know which my right from my left. I'm looking in a mirror, okay? Oh, okay. That's why. So I read left to right. Jeez. I read left to right, and so that's the way you you do the effects on the card, you know? And you've got separate send if you think of them as like separate separate uh spell abilities, you know. Uh they have different instances of the word target, you know. They, uh, so you can target the same thing. Uh like if one side has target creature and the other side has target creature, well you can tar- you can target the same creature twice. So, but it's only from your hand. Yep, that's, only, only, only. That's the big kicker. That's what so, everyone needs to understand. So, when I said cascade with Bloodbraid Elf, I can cascade uh, into down, or I can cascade into down and dirty. I can choose to cast the down part the, or the dirty half, but I can't cast down and dirty because you're not casting it from your hand. Casting it from your hand. Now, if something does let you cast from your hand for free freebies, then you can down and dirty all you want. Yeah. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So down and dirty. <laughs> and I think you do. <laughs> I want no part of this. <laughs> Too bad you're already in. No, you're you're up to at least whatever the British equivalent of of your eyeballs is. <laughs> uh, up to our elbows, as, as as deep as we normally go. Elbows, <laughs> yes. Your elbows. No, uh, one elbows. thing. One thing that Brian mentioned earlier was um 
that a, a card can either, you know, it can have two colors or it can be multicolored. Um, if you have an effect um, that names a card, uh, you can name either side of a split card and it will still find it. Um, uh, yeah. And to jump onto that, though, that's actually a recent rules thing is that now when you're asked to name a split card or name a card, you name either side of the split card. You don't name both. It used to be that you'd name both. So you name either side. And then uh, the rules now state that any a card has that name if one of its two names matches. So that can be a little confusing. So I have an example here using a lovely Dragon's Maze card called Council of the Absolute. Reads, as Council of the Absolute enters the battlefield, name a card other than a creature or land card. Your opponents can't cast cards with the chosen name. Spells with the chosen name you cast cost two less to cast. So let's say you really got this, uh, this Down and dirty. four color deck going and you cast. Um, yeah, you choose. So what you choose is down. OK, that's the card you name as Council of the Absolute comes into play. What can your opponent do from this point? Uh, he can cast uh, he can cast dirty. Yes. OK, he cannot cast down because that's the named card and and we're 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 actually projecting a little bit based on faq entries okay because the faq entry for council of the absolute actually talks about this a little bit and says hey there's going to be a new rule yeah but but the new rule actually isn't in the faq yet so we're we're i want to be very clear on this because you know we could be wrong um we're extrapolating from the faq a new rule that you cannot uh if you name down you can cast dirty half you cannot cast the down half and you cannot cast down and dirty right you being the opponent yes now uh what that now there's always these questions where it's like hey well what happens if i cast one of those discard spells that have me name a card you know can i can i name down or do i have to name down and dirty like what if i can't remember the full name uh i'm hoping that that's unchanged that i can just still be like you know that that two that double card with uh, the split card with down on it uh, my interpretation of this rule is that that's fine if you name down you will make them discard down and dirty i i would like to believe so as well okay but you know and then they're making they're making a change so and then on the flip side say so say i control the council of the absolute and i have down and dirty in my hand what are my options now obviously nothing's preventing me from casting it yep. but i have the uh, spells with the chosen name you cast cost two less to cast so i could cast down for one b that would that's reducing its cost by two i could cast dirty for two g it doesn't get a reduction because i am not casting the card named down or i could cast down and dirty for 3bg two less than the total <laughs> two less than the total <laughs> for those of us that don't want to do math right now so yes yes um because once again the the uh chosen name since half of it has that name we the the uh, reduction applies okay one last thing with split cards just because i know it's going to come up so say i play a snapcaster mage resolves it's targeting down and dirty what happens what can i do what are my options uh, i guess you're choosing one side or the other you are not choosing both well no sorry you're choosing the card but you're only casting uh one side you can't take them both because few says it can that can only happen from your hand uh, not from the graveyard with flashback. The question is, I snapcaster targeting down and dirty. We've established that we can't fuse it because it's not from the hand. The question is, can I flashback 
down, which has a converted mana cost of 3B, can I flash debt back down paying Dirty's cost of 2G? No. No. Uh, when you select down, uh, flat, the, the spell you are flashbacking is only going to see the characteristics of down. And the same with the other side. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, well, that's that's everything on split cards. Uh, we actually got through that a lot faster than I was hoping. Well, we can we can add some more fluff. Actually, there is there is one thing. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so it, it's a little complex to say, but it's if we go back to the cascade example, okay? If if a card is looking for, like, the exact characteristics, or I think, it, I think it's defined as, like, the relative characteristics of something, so looking for white, so it's looking for a positive comparison, or, like, a... Oh, well, you're talking for about uh, if it's looking for a negative comparison? Yes, I, I, yeah. So... If we're looking for a white card... I'm sticking my finger in my throat making a vomit face. And it's white and green, that works. If we're looking for a card with converted mana cost 3 or less, uh, and we find one with 4 mana cost and 3 mana cost, that works. Even though, in programming terms, that would not work. Because we think of it as a no and a yes, and so your result is a uh, no. But in magic terms, it does work. So if we had a card that said, search your library for a non-white card, and you had a split card in your library that was white and green, that does not work. You cannot find a non-white card. So right. It's it's like weird, weird, like you have to reverse the question and then yeah. nod it, not the results. Yes. So it's so it's like, I'm looking for a non-green card. So then you just flip the question around and say, like, I'm looking for a green card. And then whatever the answer is, just take the opposite. Yes. <laughs> So. Which actually, if you if you do computer programming stuff, yeah, sure, that's you'll you'll look at that and be like, oh, I get it. <laughs> but if you're like a normal human, right, that has a normal non-computer brain, you're gonna be like, oh. that's probably why I'm listening to you two talk and think, what? Oh, why is this an issue? And I'm a programmer, so I just instantly yeah. saw what it was. And I'm thinking they're making this a lot. Oh yeah, you just you just you just put an exclamation point in the front of the very you know. Well, actually, I have a hard time. Not- because I have like a, a friend who's a programmer and I have actually a hard time explaining to him why the cascade works because you're getting returned a no and a yes. So in programming brain, that's a no. It shouldn't well, no, work. No, no, no. The card is an and. Yeah. Okay. It's it's both. But the question only cares. The question is, is it uh, is it like green? Well, you just think of even though the card is an and, it's both green and this. You think of it as the, the question being asked, is it green, cares about either side. So it's basically is side A green or side B green? And the answer is yes. Right. But in pro- but in terms of the rules, we OK, OK, uh, never mind. It's not important. It's about programming. And I don't think that's beneficial. What? Yes, no, it's, it's clearly a black and green card. So <laughs> is it a green card? Yes. Pearl, the official language of Judge Cast. Yes. Yes. Let's do regular. I, I would place you more as a COBOL guy myself. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, one of, one of my first jobs was replacing Fortran code with C++ code. That's a big upgrade. Uh, yeah, it was. It was like, <laughs> wow, uh, you know Fortran? And I don't even put Fortran on my resume anymore. I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody to know that I know Fortran. My first job was a COBOL programmer. What? Yep. As long as it's not Lisp. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, come Ryan. on, come on. What? Would, <laughs> you said about... that you said we spent we we went through Fuse too fast. I so can't... I'm bringing up I'm bringing up random stuff. I can't stand Lisp, but Brian, tell us about Aetherling. Um, Aetherling, I am a little disappointed that it's not black or white. <laughs> Okay, we've had Morphling, we've had Torchling, we've had Thornling. I need my black and whitelings, <laughs> and instead I get another Blueling. So Aetherling is 
more is a card is a card with four abilities in the morphling style. Um, it costs it's a four five for uh, for four blue. Um, the most notable thing about this card that we want to talk about is its first ability, which is blue. It's an activated ability. Spin blue uh, is the cost. The ability exile Aetherling, return it to the battlefield under its control at the beginning of the next end step. So one of the interesting things about this card is not necessarily a rules thing, but it's a policy thing. It's setting up, it's exiling it, and it's setting up a delayed trigger that has a zone change, just like Obsidat. Just like the angel token from Geist of St. Traft. If you forget to bring your Aetherling back, when you remember, it's going to come back. The opponent, however, okay, there is no choice in the opponent that the opponent has as to whether or not the trigger is going to happen. It's going to happen. The opponent does get the choice of whether or not it comes in now or at the beginning of the next phase. Is this only a competitive or is that regular as well? Uh... Hey, we said we weren't going to be talking about the jar today. <laughs> okay, that's definitely the policy at competitive. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. At the jar, it's just like, yeah, just do it. Just put it back, just man. Just do it, man. Just, just do just whatever do feels it. right, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He gets his, he gets his trigger. Whatever, dude. Yeah, dude. What harsh my mellow? So what happens? Okay. Yeah, if in response to Aetherling, I, I cast a little spell called Path to Exile and exile it in response I, to his ability. I don't know what Path to Exile does. I, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe Adam, Adam can either. tell me. <laughs> no, I got no idea. I don't know what does Path to Exile do. I'll give you a hint. It might exile something. It definitely might exile something. Because it's the path to... Oh, the hint's in the name. The hint is in the name. <laughs> Funny, uh, that came out before the exile term. It sure did. came out, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was like a... It was like a, a an Easter egg, a hint. <laughs> a hint at what's to come. Yeah, indestructible yes. aura. Not an aura and not indestructible. Bothers me so much. What? Indes- the card indestructible aura is neither an aura nor indestructible. Yes. That's annoying. Great. <laughs> in answer to the question, though, if you exile in response to its ability, uh, it will not come back. Uh, it is not there anymore to, to come back. Well, it, it's in exile, but not in the way that its ability sees it. Yeah, it, it has to exile itself. Right. It's one of the exceptions to the zone change uh, new object rule. If <laughs> Yeah, so if it's exiled before this resolves, then it, you don't get that exception, so it can't see it. Womp womp. Womp womp, indeed. Womp womp! The next card we got is uh, Blast of Genius. It is a a four blue and red uh, sorcery, which is a choose target creature or player, draw three cards, then discard a card. Blast of Genius deals damage equal to the discarded card's converted mana cost to that creature or player. Uh, The key things with this card, um, if the target becomes illegal by the time the sorcery resolves, uh, then the spell is countered and you won't get to draw anything uh, and, and discard and therefore do no damage. Uh, if it does resolve and you uh, choose to discard a split card, what's going to happen is uh, Blast of Genius will look at that split card um, and it will see two uh, converted mana costs because each side has its own characteristics. Uh, and if we go back uh, to Down and Dirty, uh, if we discarded that uh, with its 3B and 2G, it'll see a converted mana cost of 4 and 3, and it will add them together to 7, and therefore do 7 damage to your target. Yeah, that's pretty just good. Some, something that, that Adam mentioned that I just want to call a little bit more attention to, uh, where he said, if the target becomes illegal, you don't draw, discard anything. The, the don't draw is 
kind of important at competitive, right? Like, don't get confused and think, oh, well, I'm going to cast it. Oh, they give their thing hexproof. Well, that just means that when I discard my card, it won't do anything to it or it won't damage. Don't draw those cards. Yeah, don't draw them. Don't draw them, bro. <laughs> don't draw them, bad, bro. Bad, don't draw them. Bad things will happen. You know, I want to... This isn't templating cast, but I want to mention the templating of this card because I think people might notice. Like, why does it say choose target creature or player at the start? And uh, the reasoning for that is pretty simple. It's because otherwise they'd have to squeeze the word in uh, target at the very end of the sentence. And I think you it would be easy to miss with all this text that it actually has a target. So I think they just up front be like choose target creature or player. And I've seen this on a few other cards recently. I think they're just trying to be very clear that these spells have targets. Well, it's also it's also yeah, because strictly yeah. speaking, you wouldn't have to word it like that. It could be worded uh, deals damage equal to the discard cards converted mana cost to target creature or player. Right. Right. I mean, it's basically just establishing that you have a target uh, uh, creature or player because it would be kind of and they have you choose target, which is slightly weird. Yeah. But it'd be kind of weirder if it'd be like target target creature or player. Really? I'm going to target target. Yes, exactly. Yes. So choose sounds better. Okay, let's talk about Blaze Commando. He is a Minotaur soldier. He says, whenever an instant or sorcery spell you control deals damage, put two 1-1 red and white soldier creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield. Uh Uh-oh. So a couple things. I want to mention another card first. Uh, Punish the enemy is another card in this set, and it says it deals three damage to target player and three damage to target creature. I notice you replaced my card with a card that's more... Current. That's actually in the set. Um, Shut up. You had Cone of Flame. <clears throat> I did, because that's awesome. Either way. Um, <laughs> so, so punish the enemy. Yes. Yes, punish the enemy. It looks like on the surface, like you might get two triggers out of this, because it's dealing damage to two things. But because the instance of the word deals is only in there once, that means it's all one action, and it's only dealing the damage one time, even though it's to two different things. So you're only going to end up with two tokens because the Blades Commando is only going to trigger one time for a card like Punish the Enemy. I feel like I should also mention that if one of the targets of Punish the Enemy becomes illegal, it will still deal three damage to the other target. It'll do as much as it can. But if both targets become illegal, it will be countered. Additionally, if you do something... Wait, it, uh, okay. I didn't think... For example, if you cast Punish the Enemy and it deals three damage to target creature or player and three damage to target creature, Blaze Commando's ability will trigger once and you will get two soldier tokens. Okay. Yeah, I had to read it like eight times. Uh, okay, I was just like... Eh, cocked my head to the side for a second and then I re- read it briefly and I saw two! I was like, wait, CJ's wrong. Yeah, nope, exactly. Right. I actually had to talk to Tayback because I was like, is this entry wrong? Because <laughs> I was misreading it. I thought uh, Punish the Enemy said deals three damage to target player and deals three damage to target creature. And then even Matt Tayback, the glorious Matt Tayback said, I also thought it said that at first. <laughs> so so I'm just as and good as Matt Tayback. As we established on Facebook today, he's level 9,000 plus. <laughs> so. so another instance is, is uh, make sure that your instant or sorcery is actually doing the damage. So if you look at a card like Pit Fight, which has two creatures fight, that instant or sorcery itself is not actually doing any damage. So Blaze Commando would not trigger in that situation. Brian, tell me about Blood Scrivener. Blood Scrivener. Um, so Blood Scrivener is, is a 2-1 creature for one and a black. It is a zombie wizard, which is the best kind of zombie ever. Um, uh, zombie cat. Zombie plants are pretty cool. Zombie too. vulture. Bird. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> top, five, top five. Okay, top five. Top five. <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> like how you went straight for zombie cat. Yeah. Zombie kitty. Okay. Um, it says, if you would draw, if, okay, not when or at or whenever, so this is not a trigger. Uh, if you would draw a card while you have no cards in hand, instead, oh, replacement effect. Instead, draw two cards and lose one life. So the question is, but what if I have to draw, I have no cards in hand and I'm going to draw four cards you know do, what what then that's so that's the first one yeah. well when you draw cards each draw is treated as a as a individual event when you draw multiples so the first card you draw you get to draw two and you're going to lose a life and then all the other ones draw normal so if you casted uh was it sphinx's revelation for five you're going to get six cards and Five. Gain four life because you know you lost the one from the. You're gonna net four life. Okay. Say. Okay. Now let's say I love my blood scrivener so much I'm running four of them in my deck, <laughs> and I happen to have all four of them out. Um, how many cards am I gonna get to draw? Uh, if I have no cards in my hand, all four. <laughs> If you, uh, Why'd you go with all four? I just went with if you have two. Okay, fine. <laughs> if you have two out because your opponent path to exiled your other two. Okay, good. Adam. Cad. <laughs> cad. Zombie cad. <laughs> um, if you have two out, um, you're going to draw three cards and lose two life. So each Blood Scrivener essentially gives you plus one cards, minus one life. Right. Okay. That's because what's going to happen is you're going to draw, let's say you draw, you're going to draw that card. Okay. And so the first one is going to replace that card draw with two card draws and one life gain. Then when you go to draw that card, the other one is going to replace that card draw with two card draws and one life gain. So you're going to draw uh, one life loss. Um, so you've now got a total of the, the one card plus another two, one from each, uh, uh, Scrivener and then the loss of one life from each Scrivener as well. Perfect. Yes. All right. Oh, I should probably mention the rhyme or reason behind these cards. We're not going through all of these cards. This isn't limited resources, marathon, nine hour podcast. <laughs> we, we looked at the facts and we were like, these cards seem like they have they're worth talking about yeah some they fashion. just seem interesting in some way and and you know like for example double blood scrivener probably not going to happen at the pre-release right i mean a double of a rare but still we just think it's interesting rules wise so some of this stuff could definitely happen at the pre-release some couldn't but it's just everything we thought was interesting you know because a lot of times a lot of times players they'll see these cards and they go but what if i had two or but what if but what if i had one and my opponent had one yes so, exactly it's well, i'm glad i'm not going to be cascading it or anything at the pre-release <laughs> well fuses everyone everyone with fuses you know but what if but how i want to break this new mechanic how right so we're just we just kind of went through and covered all the bases if you want to know how to break blood scrivener and legacy uh good luck sure <laughs> listen, to, listen to their podcast the thing with fuses i think people find it confusing boo <laughs> Just nothing but silence. Uh, hey, Adam, why don't you tell me what Boros Battleshaper does? I did not like the rotation of these cards that I was being left with Boros Battleshaper. <laughs> uh, 
In our show notes, we actually just have, let's just explain what this silly thing does, because there is a lot of text on Boris Battleship. Yeah. No, um, you just read it, you're just like... Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it, when you look at it, you like, oh, I've got all sorts of nonsense going on in my combat. But uh, what's actually happening is, at the beginning of each combat, uh, you as the controller of Boris Battleship now, are going to say that a target creature attacks or blocks, if able, and one target creature can't attack or block this combat. So up you choose two. it up two. So up you don't two. have to choose one, but if you want to, you have the option to. Uh, so you say one of your dudes uh, has to attack me uh, in a combat, or in my combat, one of your dudes cannot block while I attack. That's pretty much how it's going to be used. Yes. And this is each combat? Each combat, uh, that's the thing. Each combat. It happens so in my combats, it happens in yours. In EDH? Oh, this is great. Now, now one of the things, this is kind of interesting, because um, there was another card way, way back uh, in the first Ravnica block called, uh, I think it's called Master Warcraft, I think, or I think that was the name of the card. It, it, basically, it basically was like, hey, you choose what creatures attack and how creatures block. And so one thing of note here is you are choosing whether or not a creature attacks. You have no control over who it attacks or what planeswalker it attacks. You are just giving it permission to do so. Or you're just you're just saying Red Rover, Red Rover, send <laughs> so and so right over. Send Blood Scrivener right over. And Blood Scrivener is like, Well, I'm gonna attack Jace cause YOLO. <laughs> And if uh, if you're being if you're being a silly goofball and you target the same creature twice with this ability, which you can do, uh, the creature will not be able to attack because can't beats can. Now that's a warm bomb. <laughs> that's a what were you thinking? This trigger is interesting because you can actually it, it's going to trigger, but you could actually just have none of the targets because everything's up to one. Yeah, so it's like. Well, this is this is good because that means if 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 there's just this guy out there, you can kind of just not do anything with him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I swing. Oh, you forgot your trigger. Oh, oh. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, let's talk about Dragon Shift. Yeah. All right. Dragon Shift uh, is an instant. It says until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a four four blue and red dragon, loses all abilities and gains flying. So it turns it into a underpowered dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's blue. It also has overload, which, you know, for a ton more mana, you can make all your creatures 4-4 four, four blue and red dragons without any abilities and also with flying. Awesome. So. Maybe. Without going too deep into losing abilities, you guys can listen to our episodes on layers for that. Uh, there is one important interaction here is when you cipher a spell onto a creature, it grants an ability to that creature that is basically uh, whenever this creature deals damage to a player, blah, blah, blah. If you were to dragon shift all your creatures, they lose the cipher triggered ability because it removes all of their abilities. So if you were to dragon shift and go in for your triumphant swing and then you're like, I want to cast this cipher card. Nope, no good. No. Now, it's still encoded. It's still encoded. It's still there. And you can even uh, cipher after. So you turn your dude into a dragon and then... So after you've paid your infinite, what is it, your seven mana to overload? Yes. Uh, you could then pay uh, a spell with cipher and cipher uh, uh, a dude, one of your dragons, uh, after that because of layers and timestamps. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because of that. But if it's already encoded and you make it a dragon. Because the last episode said so. Because two episodes ago said so. Two episodes ago said so. Oh, did I get this one? Yeah, have fun. <laughs> okay, so the reason I wanted to talk about this guy was the whole, but what if? 
Yeah. People have been losing their minds over this card. But, but Judge, there's 20 things on the battlefield. How do we determine one at random? All right, so tell us um, what you're talking about. Oh, so Goblin Test Pilot. Uh, it's one blue-red for an O2 flying creature that has tap. Goblin Test Pilot deals two damage to target creature or player chosen at random. And so it's how do we determine what's at random? Or how do we determine these things? It's like, just, just roll, roll, roll. There is, you know, you rolling to determine who wins a game is bad. Rolling to determine who your goblin test pilot is going to hit is fine. Right. So there's 20 things. Pull out a D20. Uh, hope you play D&D. Um, you know, if there's 100 things on the board because you're playing EDH, um, hope you play Call of Cthulhu and have percentile dice. <laughs> Um, just use your phone. Use random.org. Call of Cthulhu is better than random.org. Uh, also, you should never have been playing this card in the first place. <laughs> so the end, it, right? It, yeah. Well, it can it can hit itself. Uh, that's probably uh, the biggest, you know, mo uh, oops. Um, also, if one of the players has uh, a, a shroud, uh, he can't. You can't target him. Even, yeah. You just exclude him from the random selection. Yeah. And, and that's important, right? Like if you have five creatures out and four of them have shroud, then you're only rolling for the two players and the one creature without shroud. Yeah. Like you're just rolling three. You're not going to roll, you know, and if you hit them, it doesn't count or something. Yep. Okay. And uh, you have a note in here. It's not modal. So you're not picking creatures or players and then determining, you know, I'm going to do two damage to a random player. Roll up. You take two. Ha ha. 50 shot exactly uh, no it's it's creatures and players all in one big bucket shake it up reach your hand in the hat draw up a slip of paper and goblin test pilot will hit uh personal incarnation yes precisely i want yes i want to talk about this next guy Oh, and I'd just been reading about it. You want to talk about it? Yeah, I want to talk about tell, it. Tell Good, because I'm so tired of hearing about him. It's a great card. Uh, Master of Cruelties, uh, three black and a red. It's a creature demon, one four. And whenever anyone sees black, red, demon, they're thinking of Kalia, but we'll get to that. Um, so Master of Cruelties, uh, first strike, death touch. Uh, Master of Cruelties can only attack alone. Whenever Master of Cruelties attacks and a uh, attacks a player and isn't blocked, that player's life total becomes one. Master of Cruelties assigns no combat damage this combat. Um, Do you think he's so cruel because he's so, so alone? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah, he may just be a he picked angry wings up. world, which is why he takes your life down to one. You know what? This is this right here. This is Joffrey uh, uh, from uh, from Game of Thrones. Oh. He grew up. He grew up. Came master of cruelties. Yeah, that seems about right. It does. I've never watched Game of Thrones, so I'm just going to continue on. Please do. Uh, yeah. The, the key thing about uh, the big ability here is. Um, you know, it, it, uh, whenever Masculity attacks uh, a player and isn't blocked, that uh, ability will not trigger until after blockers are declared. Um, rather than, you know, it's not attacking, at, it's not triggering as he's declared an attack. You have to wait for the opponent to declare blockers and then the trigger is going to uh, go on the stack. Um, and yeah, it will it will work um, if you put it into play with Kalia as well. Um, with it being a black and red demon, people are going to be doing that, pushing it in there. Um <laughs> 
And if it's unblockable, uh, it also interacts pretty well with ninjas uh, from Kamigawa, such as Inkai's the Rat Ninja. <laughs> uh, ninjutsu will come into effect and pull back your Master of Cruelties and replace it with a Ninja Rat. Right, and, and that's why and I the Ninja to Rat's going to do damage, so you just won the game. Sweet. Yes. So are ninjas legal and modern? Yes. So get out there. Wait, so why does he work well with ninjas? Because after he's been, cho- after they say, I'm not blocking that guy. Oh, 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 oh right, 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 right. You're like, okay. get back in my hand. Okay, go that's ninja, right. Go ninja, it trigger, go. It, it triggers when he isn't blocked, so got it. Yeah. So you just, you just flash in your, your ink eyes, the desecrator, or, or I just I just made I just made up a card. <laughs> um, ink eyes, servant of, of Oni. Oni. <laughs> yeah, Come on, guys. there we go. I know my rats. <laughs> okay, so no more questions about Master. Oh, no, I do want to mention First Strike and Death Touch. They work very well together. Um, basically, with First Strike and Death Touch together on the same card, which we very rarely see, it means that whatever it deals, it whatever it blocks, unless that other thing also has First Strike, it's just always going to kill it in the First Strike damage step, and it will never take damage back. But I want to talk about Mazes Inc. Well, you say you say unless the opponent has first strike. Even if the opponent also has first strike, I mean, oh. the opponent's still going to die. The other. Right, but it's not going to be able to hit it back. Yeah. It's just, it's generally, it's just going to be like, ha, every every turn you're just going to be throwing dudes in front of this guy, and they're just going to die. Yeah. And he's just going to ha ha. Like, they're, they're not going to want to block, because in general, unless their creatures have first strike, their creatures are not going to be doing damage back. But I want to talk about Mazes in because this card is amazing amazingly bad it's so bad it's so, so bad, bad. <laughs> like, it's a mythic it's a mythic i'm so glad we don't have the option of playing this in the pre-release because why would i like what would even be the point anyway mazes end enters the battlefield tapped to keep the power level down uh tap add one mana to your mana pool three and tap return mazes in to its owner's hand search your library for a gate card put it onto the battlefield then shuffle your library if you control 10 or more gates with different names you win the game all I want to say is that if somebody out there really wants to make this card work, and I scape shift is my best guess. So you scape shift, you bring out all the 10 gates, and you're like, I win, but you don't. The clause about winning the game when you control or if you control 10 or more gates is part of the ability. So you're still going to have to activate Maze's End one more time, return it to your hand. Uh, you can search your library. You can fail to find a gate. That's fine. You don't actually have to put a gate out, but you still have to use the ability one more time if you want to win the game off of yeah. this terrible card. And, you're, and you have to work really hard to have, I mean, it's not only do you have to have work hard to have 10 gates, you got to work harder to have or more gates with different names. Yeah, I mean, all you gotta, the gates have like, different names. That's yeah, you got to like, like animate a gate and then copy it with Shakashima the imposter or something silly like that is there a get. way to make gates that are not the 10 guild gates that we already know uh i don't think there's any i don't think there's any cards that are that have the printed type of gate right but could we do it using trickery uh i don't know of any other other than other than shakashima the imposter i don't know of a way okay hey how about this if any of you listeners know a way to make a a gate that isn't named one of the uh 10 guild gates we're used to yes how let us know how do I get an 11th gate? Yeah, get that 11th gate. The, the different name. Um, yeah, so, and I think all the gates come into play tapped, too. So they this, do. This, this guy's just there. I mean, this does put the gate onto the battlefield, but still. Right, but it, it's, basic, it's basically like thawing glaciers, only slower, I think. I mean, if, if my math is right, you're going to have to, it'll take at least 10 turns if you had infinite mana. Well, no, because you're probably playing. Oh, yeah, because you're using Maze's End as your land drop. Yeah, exactly. It's your land drop. This is 
okay, sure. <laughs> Listeners, you know, this is, I don't talk about, you know, strategy, yeah. but, but if you can tell me how this card is good, I'd like to hear it. Yeah, I, I'm in the exact same boat. I almost never talk strategy because I almost never play this game, but this card is bad. We'll read it, and I'll admit that I'm wrong, but right now I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb with this card and say it's near unplayable unless you're like one of these guys that just wants to prove that any card is playable in the right deck. <laughs> Let's talk about Melek. Is it Paragon? Okay, so uh, this guy has... Wow, that's a lot of words. Um, <laughs> it's four blue-red for a 2-4. Play with the top card of your library revealed. All right, sure. Um, you may cast the top card of your library if it's an instant or a sorcery card. All right, cool. Uh, we, we've seen that ability before with being able to play land. We've seen it with being able to play creatures. Uh, we've seen it on Future Sight. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your library, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. All right. So, uh, let's, let's look at these guys' abilities. So the first ability, play with the top card of your library revealed. That means if you are to, if you are playing Sphinx's uh, uh, Revelation, we said that each draw is individual. So... I have the top card of my reveal. I'm going to draw five cards. I draw the first card. There is a brief period of time before I draw that second card that that card is revealed. Okay, so uh, that is something that you need to remember. If you have this guy out and you cast a draw spell where you are drawing multiple cards, you're going to be revealing those cards. Um, you may cast the top card of your library if it's an instant or sorcery. Great. Uh, uh, you can cast it using alternate costs uh, because it's not actually saying anything about... Uh, how you're casting it, it's only defining a, the zone that you can cast it from. Uh, so you can pay, you can pay uh, uh, alternate costs. You can still do buybacks and all that good stuff. Um, overloads uh, with regard to split cards, you can you know choose to pay one half or the other. You can't fuse it because you're casting it from your library. Um, let's let's look at the show notes to see what comes next. Uh, if you're going to miracle a card, no, because you haven't actually drawn it, so you're not going to be uh, miracling it. Um, and then copying it. Um, so when you're copying the card, you're copying it. So with a split card, if you cast your the down half of down and dirty, you are copying down. You don't get to rechoose the other half because, as we were talking about split cards, when it's on the stack, it doesn't have characteristics of the other side. I love it. That's a weird wizard. It is, man. <laughs> That's that's yeah. one of my favorite creature types. He's weird. That's actually his type. Legendary creature, weird wizard. Yes. <laughs> Not wiz weird. Weird wizard weird would have sounded better, but less cool. Yeah, I think so. All right, I'm going to cover the next card so that I can make Adam do the fo the card after that, because welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, no, the Notion Thief. Is, notion uh, Thief. I'm doing Notion Thief. <laughs> it's a creature, human rogue uh, with flash. No. It's a 3-1. Adam, uh, stop. No. I have to do the next one. Yeah, no, he's trying to take it from me, but no deal. I know. He's, he's, Go on. he's trying to steal my Notion here. He has the power of editing. You don't stand a chance, yeah, sucker. You don't win. I can make a lot of noise for a long time. <laughs> That's one thing. I don't know how to mute somebody on the call, and I wish I did. <laughs> Notion Thief, 3-1. 
Flash. If an opponent would draw a card except the first one, he or she draws in each of his or her draw steps. Instead, that player skips that draw and you draw a card. Okay, so first off, to word this a different way, every time if you, so say you control it, every time your opponent would draw a card, instead you draw a card. The only time that is not the case is during uh, that player's draw step when they do the turn-based action of drawing a card or otherwise the first card they draw during their draw step. So if you have like a words of words of waste out and you're doing multiple draws or something. Right. Yeah. Never corner case land, man. It is. But so in most cases, they get to draw their card for the turn. But beyond that, you are drawing a card instead of them every single time. So secondly, the question I've seen around the Internet is what if I have an ocean thief? What if you have an ocean thief? Infinite loop. Infinite. Game over. Does that draw the game? I don't know, Judge. All right, so let's talk about replacement effects briefly, which, by the way, we have a show on replacement effects that we did previously. So if you really want to learn about this topic, go find that episode. I think it's called uh, On This Episode, Skip Just Dunks, because he wasn't on that one either. And skipping is a replacement effect. Anyway. Maybe Just doesn't know replacement effects and just doesn't want to. <laughs> and he keeps disappearing. <laughs> he keeps disappearing. Um, okay, so if there's two Notion Thieves out and a player goes to draw a card, Two replacement effects can only apply to any one event once, okay? So I have Notion Thief, you have Notion Thief. I start to draw a card, so your Notion Thief applies, right? And it replaces my draw with you drawing. At this point, my Notion Thief starts to apply. So it replaces your drawing with me drawing. In the end, I get to draw a card. So each one has applied to the event of drawing a card once of that drawing a card. So they're kind of used up. They're used up. Yeah, they just they do nothing effectively. They both apply, but it ends up doing nothing. So what if you have a Notion Thief and I have zero cards in hand and I have a Blood Scrivener and I go to draw for my turn? What's your Notion Thief going to do? You're drawing for turn? Yeah. So my my Blood Scrivener, uh, if I would draw a card while I have no cards in hand, instead I draw two and lose a life. You have your Notion Thief. So what happens in my draw step? This is a a really good question. Thank you for bringing it up. Um, What would happen is the first draw you're going to get because... Uh, that's your first draw during your draw step. The second draw I get to take because Notion Thief is going to step in and replace that one with me getting the draw. So you end up with one card and losing one life, and I end up with one card. Well, all right then. That was good. I like that question a lot. I'm going to steal that one from now. Home what show. if? Uh, but what if we introduce words of war? But not and. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> all okay. right. Well, but think of the possibilities. Oh, there's a whole storm. Oh, there's of just a storm of them. Oh, <laughs> that joke was so bad we both had to. Yeah, make it's it. exactly. Fortunately, I'm the only one asked to explain this card. I'm not even gonna read it. Yeah, it's just bad. just tell us what it does. Uh, what it does? I mean, it's got uh, storm in the title, and storm's like broken. So. Yeah. All right. Possibility storm. Three and two red. It's an enchantment. Whenever a player would cast a spell, uh, essentially what you're doing is you're going to exile that spell, and then you're going to exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a card that shares a type with that spell. Then you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. And then you put all those exile cards with Possibility Storm on the bottom of the library in a random order. And then you just wait until you get to the bottom of your library and play this card again and have to figure all this out again. <laughs> so go over all the stuff that I missed. So this is a what? this is a card this is a card for people that hate people. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is like, hey, I'm gonna play knowledge pool. And thieves auction, and this is this is just you're a jerk. 
Yeah, this is a dirt card. So, because uh, this is not just you; it's it's a player. Yeah, every player. You know, oh, I want I want to play, and, and oh, this card with Hive Mind, it's the best ever. No, no. All right, so effectively, what this does is any spell you cast doesn't really matter because that spell is going to get exiled, and then you exile cards from the top until you reveal another card that shares the type, same type, and that's the one that you may cast without paying its mana cost. So basically, it lets you convert any spell you cast into the next spell in your library that is the same type. Uh, what if you didn't have one of the same type? It's like uh, I'm, ac- I'm actually looking up what this thing does with knowledge pool. Because oh, uh, sorry, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you fill us in on that one. I hate knowledge pool. <laughs> Um, if you didn't have a card of the same type, looks like you would exile all the cards off the top until you have no cards left in your library, and then it just never hit. You never, you just never found one, so you would just shuffle your library basically, and you still don't get to cast your your exiled spell. Uh, what happens to the exiled spell? The exiled spell would also be shuffled in your library. So basically, if you don't hit, you're just shuffling your library for some mana cost. Oh, this card's stupid. Uh, okay. So, knowledge pool, whenever it's a trigger, whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. If a player does, he or she... Re- okay. So, it's two triggers, and what if I choose, I cast a spell, and I choose to exile it with knowledge pool first? Okay, or, or I stack the triggers so the possibility storm is on the bottom and knowledge pool is on the top. Okay. Then I get to cast another non-land card exiled with knowledge pool whenever put from his or her hand. Okay, so they don't inter- they don't interact. They don't form like a, a loop or anything like that. Okay. Glad to hear. But but if I've already exiled the card, I cast a spell, and then it's exiled with knowledge pool, and then I come back to resolve this trigger, I'm going to use last known information, aren't I? I would like to render silent this conversation. Oh, is that your way of saying that you want to on? Crowd. <laughs> tough crowd well i mean when you said render silent for a second i was like i was like does this mean you're gonna edit it out of the podcast i don't i knew that was the segue he was gonna make (laughs) kind of figured it out all right render silent costs the same as cancel except it's got a white in it counter target spell its controller can't cast spells this turn Uh, don't you love the old we have two cards that taste great together here we go mash them up the uh the relevant things here first off you can still cast spells in response to render silent while it's on the stack so, I don't know. They have just a bunch of cards to dump. If they want to get off that Sphinx's Revelation, they still can. Uh, secondly, if the if the spell that Render Silent is targeting becomes illegal, then the whole spell is countered, and the controller of the targeted spell will still be able to cast spells. And you actually have to have a spell in order to, uh, to counter in order to cast this. Yeah. All right, Adam, I'll give you I'll give you this one because I gave you Possibility Storm. I don't want this one. I want Tessia's end. You want Taza? Yes. All, All right. right. Fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Runner's Bane, one in a blue, Enchantment Aura, Enchant Creature with power three or less. When Runner's Bane enters the battlefield, tap Enchanted Creature. Enchanted Creature doesn't untap during its control. Okay, blah, blah, blah. The important thing here about this card is Enchant Creature with power three or less. Okay, so just like if you have uh, something that says Enchant Artifact and the thing stops being an artifact, uh, the enchantment's going to fall off, or it says Enchant Green Creature and it stops being green, uh, the enchantment's going to fall off. This says Enchant Creature with power three or less. If the creature, if you hit it with a giant, if you hit the dude with a giant growth, uh, this runner's mane is going to fall off as a state-based action. So, so that's that. That's that. All uh, right. All right. Now I my Adam. Boy. Uh, tell me, Tesa, envoy of ghosts. Tell me how Tesa is even still alive because she was just a human. 
she wasn't immortal in the first Ravnica, and she it's was, been she's like a human a, advisor. She was a human advisor, right? Uh, she's just human. It's been like a century since the story of the first of the Guild Pact and all that. But she's an advisor too. They live long. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I know those old zombies are going to find a way to to prolong her. No, they don't. They just die and become a ghost. She, she's still looking good too. Show her. I mean, yeah, for a hundred and. 20 years old? Yeah, whatever age she is. Yeah. The obs of that need to go to whoever her makeup person is. <laughs> but anyway, the, the beautiful Taser Envoy of Ghosts is five white and a black, a legendary creature, human advisor, 4-4. Four, four. Uh, her main things are she has vigilance and protection from creatures. Um, whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, destroy that creature. Uh, put a 1-1 one, one white and black spirit token with flying into the battlefield. Um, so because she has protection from creatures, um, standard protection things come in. Uh, you know, she can't block, they can't deal damage. Um, it also means that she can't be blood rushed, which is an ability that would target uh, a creature. Um, yes, but Adam, uh, I'm second... going to put you on the spot because you oh. took Taser and now you have to deal with this. Oh. When I okay. blood rush a card, isn't the thing targeting her a creature card and not a creature? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, indeed. Yes, it is. It's a, it's a. Do you think I put this in the show notes just to trick you right now at this moment? I wonder if you uh, I wonder if you put it in and then realized it was wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh. That would be fantastic if I did pass it off to you and I was like, read this. No, it, it is 100% correct. So Is it really? Yeah, so there is. What I just said is true, and it applies almost all the time, except like if something said, um, you know, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Well, that said from your graveyard. But when something says creature card, it doesn't mean creature. Creature means something on the battlefield. So, you know, return target creature to your hand. That means creature something on the battlefield, right? Um, you can't target a creature in the graveyard because that's that's a creature card, not a creature. However, protection has a specific exception to what I just said that says if something has protection from quality, then it means protection from things with that quality and cards that are that quality as well. And that's why Teza Envoy of Ghosts can't be blood rushed. So she has protection from creatures and protection from creature cards. Well, there you go. There you go. And that, and that is covered in the FAQ as well. I mean, it, it does explain uh, the, the, all, all those rule parts. It's not just something like you have to know that that weird, you know, uh, exception. If you read the FAQ, you'll you'll know how that card works. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I think that that was pretty much it on her. Well, tell me about uh, her other abilities. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, destroy that creature. Um, when she is destroying, uh, she is not targeting. So your lovely uh, hexproof or protection from white creatures are not safe from her vengeful gaze. So, um, so let me ask you this question. Oh, more spots. <laughs> well, more spots. Yeah. So I attack you with an indestructible dude. Okay, uh, a a two two indestructible dude. Um, and that creature deals combat damage to me. Uh, do I get do I get a spirit token with flying? Uh, yes. What? But he's not destroyed. Or is he? Uh, no, it, it's still not destroyed. Um, the, the not destroying has nothing to do with, uh, Tesa. She said, destroy it, and your creature saying no. And she didn't care at that point. She said, okay, I've, I've told you to be destroyed. You either do it or you don't. But now I'm going to, you know, generate a spirit. But where did the spirit come from? It came from the destroyed <laughs> dude, right? It came from all the people that she has... Kills who weren't indestructible over the hundred years. Total the last round flavor fail. She is shut up. Envoy of ghosts. She's got ghosts like all over. <laughs> she's like she's got this Batman utility belt of yeah. ghosts. 
popping Swing over the ground all over the place. One out. She's up to her elbow in ghosts. All right, Brian, you were excited about this next card. I was. I was very excited about this <laughs> card. So this card, and, and this is such a stupid judge reason to be excited it about is. a card, too. <laughs> so the card is Trait Doctoring for one blue. It's a sorcery. Change the text of target permanent by replacing all instances of one color word with another or one basic land type with another. And it has cipher. But I'm not, I don't care about the cipher. Okay, the reason I'm interested in this is we have not had a, when we were talking about the layers and we were like, huh, they haven't printed a text changing card in a while. Um, we looked. Uh, 10th edition and uh, 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 Eventide was the last time there were cards printed that changed the text. So trait doctoring, I'm excited because we can finally update um, the wording or, or, <laughs> or our examples to use a card that is standard legal. And before um, we get the mails, yes, we know overload is text changing effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Brian means like count. this one. I mean like for real yeah. stuff, like, like layers, the continuous effects and stuff. Now, one thing that is kind of, again, talking strategy, uh, this thing has cipher. So, you know, it'll, it'll let you change, uh, you know, protection from red to protection from white. It'll let you change swamp walk to planes walk. Okay, but here's the thing, man. If you've got a swamp walker and you're hoping to change this to planes walk and planes walk over your opponent because they have planes, um, cipher triggers when it deals combat damage, so you're not really going to be able to give it planes walk before you hit. And then after you hit, it's kind of useless. So if you give it planeswalk, um, does it get loyalty counters or how does that work? Uh, it, it does, man. That's <laughs> one of my favorite questions. Righteous Avengers was the first planeswalker. <laughs> I always like a Zodiac chicken is my three, favorite planeswalker. Jeez, Zodiac chicken. <laughs> Righteous <laughs> Avengers, three one from Legends, the first planeswalker. <laughs> chicken. And, and the other thing is stuff we mentioned in our layers. Uh, you can't episode. change black vice to blue vice. Yeah. Black cat to blue cat. All right. I'm going to talk about turn Turn. Reads, target creature loses all abilities and becomes a 0-1 red weird until end of turn. Burn. Reads, burn deals 2 damage to target creature or player. Which, by the way, this is one of those situations where maybe you would want to target the same thing twice. Anyway. So, a couple things to remember. First off, what I mentioned earlier with Dragon... Dragon... It's not called Dragon Storm, but whatever the thing is that makes all your dragons. Uh, they will lose the Cypher ability, blah, blah, blah. I already said all that. You guys got that. You cannot use turn to stop any abilities that may have already triggered. So, anything that says at the beginning of your upkeep or when this creature enters the battlefield, you could not use that to stop those from happening. But, you could use it to great effect on a Thrag Tusk or whatever to stop... Thrag Tusk from triggering it leaves the play, leaves the battlefield abilities. So they're going to gain the five life, but you can stop the beast. And, and kill the tusk. Kill the tusk. So that's having a good time. Robot Tuscan. Who wants to do the next one? A card I'm excited for, for my Simic EDH deck. I was trying to think of a segue into it, but its name is just so weird that I can't even think of a segue. Uh, Voral of the Whole Clade. Human Merfolk. Uh, <laughs> They're legendary creature, human merfolk. But it's got normal legs, man. It needs to have a fish bottom. And then his, his like story <laughs> is he's a is behind him. He's like a former gruel too. Like this guy's all over the place. I'm sure he had some place in lore with a name like that. But since I've never read the books, I'm just ignorant to these facts. It's However, like I can tell you what it does. Uh, uh, for a green, a blue, and tapping it for each counter on target artifact, creature, or land, put another of those counters on that permanent. Um, so if your creature has some plus one, plus one counters, you put that many on it again. 
Uh, if you have an artifact that has some charge or divinity counters or something like that, it'll put another one on. Um, if you're playing this in modern with Infect um, and you had some... Uh, so, was Wither a counter? Yeah, minus one, minus yeah, one. So, uh, you, you would go from minus one to, to minus two. Um, the only counter that I can think of that it doesn't work with is loyalty counters because that's a planeswalker and it poison. states that it poison. owns poison counters also. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, it also doesn't work with muster counters. Uh, on oh, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> on uh, enchantments. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it only works on things that are artifacts, creatures, or lands. Right. Uh, counters on other things don't work. Um, one of the interactions uh, you may come up with uh, in the pre-release is if you have Corpse Jack Menace out, uh, which says, and this was from uh, Gatecrash uh, out of Golgari, uh, if one or more plus one plus one counters will be placed on a creature you control, uh, twice that many plus one plus one counters are placed on instead. Um, so if Corpse Jack was out and you activated this and you put some plus one plus one counters on a creature that already had them, essentially you'd be putting four times uh, the amount. All right. So I got a question, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ratbox. Go for it, Mr. Beepril. All right. I have a Gideon Champion of Justice. Why did I know that this was going to be Ooh. the question? Ooh. With with five Ooh. with five loyalty counters on him, I activate his ability, turning him into his ability for zero. That says until the end of turn, Gideon, Champion of Justice, becomes an indestructible human soldier with power and toughness each equal to the number of loyalty counters on him. He's still Planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. I activate that ability, and then because my Planeswalker is now a creature, I activate. Jorel of the whole blade. The whole blade. I'm gonna just mangle his name for fun. Um, doubling the, uh, activating his ability, targeting my Gideon Jura. What is now the power and toughness of my Gideon Jura? Wow. I, I, I <laughs> even though I, I got all gung ho by saying it didn't affect loyalty counters. Uh, gotcha. In this instance, it probably does then. <laughs> Uh, because your your planeswalker is also a creature that has sneakily got loyalty counters just to make me look foolish. Um, so it's uh, power toughness is gonna go up. So, no, someone's making a CJ mistake here. I think. I think. <laughs> although I think when I made that mistake, it got edited out somehow. It did get edited out, which is why I'm bringing it up now. You left my mistake in that episode, but you somehow got edited out. I'll edit out me saying that I ever yep. made that mistake. Oh, and I'll you. edit your mistake back into this. One. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? So why is it not changing? Okay, so Gideon Jura, uh, his ability, uh, where it says not his correct. power, Gideon, Champion of Justice, sorry. Oh, it's setting at that point. It is setting yeah, it at that you point. Go. It's not continuously looking at his number of loyalty counters. Correct. There you go. That's what happens with everyone who messes yeah, it's, that up. It's not so, giving Gideon a characteristic defining ability. It is just straight setting it. Well, I did preface this show with I was a new L2. So just edit the, the wrong bits out and nope. squeeze and his question and my correct answer together. Hold on. How long have you been in L2 now? Uh, I, well, I, I certified in February, so two months. In fact, two months and a week I've been in L2. That's almost a year in dog years. Yeah, that's really long. Yeah, but they call me rat box, not dog box. And rats <laughs> have like, you know, a year is like a month. So I've been a judge for like two days. <laughs> um, so there's uh, some math to think about. As uh, an expert on rats, I can say that what he's saying is factually correct. Wait, no, it should be the other way around then, right? Because rats have the very short lifespan. Oh, yeah, you're right. A rat 
rat year is longer than a dog year. Look at you. As an expert on rats, I'm going to say this thing completely wrong. I just wanted to say I was an expert on rats. I didn't really mean it. <laughs> he is quite an expert. He gave me a five-minute conversation on the names and origins of names of his rats. I actually do know a lot about rats. But anyway, let's talk about Warlorders, War Leaders Helix. Not a rat. Not a rat, unfortunately. No. But it is a different lightning helix. So, Warlord's Helix deals 4 damage to our creature player and you gain 4 life. If the target becomes illegal, the spell will be countered and you don't gain life. So everyone just look out for those single target spells. But and what also, if? Yes. But what if? No, just saying. Yeah. But what if? You know, this this is the situation where, like, it's actually pretty good to have those cards that let you sacrifice creatures at will. You know, like, I think the Golgari Guild Leader will let you do it. Just because you can prevent your opponent from gaining 4 life if you're able to do that. Let's let's end up with uh, a card that describes Adam Hubble perfectly. Warped physique. Wow, Mr. Schrader, you can you can go doing pleasant things to yourself. Yeah, there's no swearing on Judge Cat. <laughs> like that, CJ, you can go do unpleasant things to yourself. <laughs> And he doesn't mean self-abuse. Please uh, <laughs> please tell me about this card. I'll tell you about it. All right. So it's a black and a blue. Huh. Target creature gets <laughs> that is plus funny, actually. X. Yeah. Plus X minus X until end of turn where X is the number of cards in your hand. Um. So split cards still count as just one card. So if you've got a grip of seven split cards, uh, that's not 14 plus 14 minus 14. It's just seven. Yeah, I guess we should also mention that you don't count this card because this card is not in your hand anymore when it goes right. to resolve. Right. What's the first part of uh, uh, casting a spell, Adam? Uh, announcing it. And then? And then moving it from where it is to the stack. Yes. yes. So out of your hand and away. Yeah. Well, I guess the hand. true first step now is uh, choosing whether or not you want to fuse. Yeah. And like, Okay. Hey, do we want to talk about that guy that like is BFFs with Death Shadow? Yeah, sure, if you want to talk about him. Well, I don't know his name. I just know these. He, he's actually that guy I was just talking about, the uh, the guy who is his best friends, uh, or who can sack creatures at will. Uh, Jared Gogog of Leechlord? No, the other. That's the guard. Uh, I was just barely listening when you were talking anyway. There's a, ah, uh, crap. It's like Vozal or something like that. He's got a, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Verils, the Scar Striped is his name. So, each creature card in your graveyard has scavenge. The scavenge cost is equal to its mana cost, which for most creatures would be less than their printed scavenge cost if they already had one. But anyway, he also has sacrifice another creature regenerate. Very also scar striped. If you ever regenerate, how are you getting all scarred? Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't heal all the way. Oh, okay. Maybe it's emotional. I mean, if you think about it, we regenerate too, just really slowly. <laughs> and I'm scarred after you compared me to that uh, warped physique. <laughs> so there's your answer. Mental scarring. We are scarred by your cruelty. <laughs> All right, so Death Shadow <laughs> says uh, Death Shadow gets minus X, minus X, where X is your life total, and it is a 13-13. So the main thing that everybody's already picked up on with this card is that it's not a characteristic defining ability, which means it does not apply in the graveyard. So, But 13-13, I mean, surely this creature costs a whole lot, right? It costs black. What? What? So that means its scavenge cost is black. For thirteen, thirteen. That's pretty good. No, clearly it must, you know, it gets the minus minus because of the, nope. the ability on the... No? Nope. Not in the graveyard. Ah, uh, because it's not a characteristic defining ability. Exactly. It's just an ability that functions on the battlefield. So someone else that's similar to that is, what is it? Phyrexian, Phyrexian Dreadnought. Phyrexian Dreadnought is also, is a 12-12 for one. Uh, that basically, yeah, 
just play it, it dies to its own triggered ability. Yep. Uh, and then you can do all sorts of horrible, horrible things. I have a feeling that's going to be a deck. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Someone's going to try it, and someone's going to lose to it, and it's going to be funny. All right, so is there any other interesting cards that anybody wants to talk about in Dragon's Maze? Nope. Is anyone going to the pre-release this weekend? Yep. 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 It's going to be good times. I don't know what guild to choose, though, to be honest. I'm actually playing. I'm not I'm not judging. Simic, because Simic is the awesome. I'm thinking about going Simic, because I chose Simic at Gatecrash, but then my pool was so, like, nuts Orzhov that I played Orzhov, and I really want to play Simic. Simic is just seems the most fun. Yeah, like to Moro me, seems the most likely to win, but Simic just seems more fun. Simic is is just this what is I want to do. A, this is more of a to uh, question than a judge question, but I'll I'll pose to both you. Uh, you know, so you, you got your ten guilds and your players come in and they they pick a guild and you know there's all this talk of the secret guild that's going to share a color. Um, now on the back of the actual box is what, what the second guild in this specific box is do you let the player choose which total combination they want or do they say i want to play one guild and you randomly give them a box i don't that think, has that one color i don't think you know what the other guild is yeah it's printed on the back of the box yeah you do know Remember, oh, do you? Uh, Jess yeah, was actually it, telling us that. I don't. I'm yeah, well, sure we're the, the stock comes in a box of twenty, which is one of oh. every color combination. Yeah, and each side of the box has the logo. Oh, because I was just talking to a TO last night, and he was saying that it it was just it was random, and you didn't know. I think that's how wizards are preferring you do it. But okay. I mean, you do have the option, you know, if you're friends with a TO of saying, you know, I want to bore us and know us all or, or whatever. So. I would I would think that if you are going to let people pick, then you need to let everyone pick. Yeah. Um, yeah and no. if you're going to keep it secret, then it's secret for everybody. Uh, um, and it needs, let it them needs pick, to... you probably want to, you know, do uh, pre-registration because there's only going to be limited, you know, supply of each combination. Right. So, I think right. the intent is to be secret. Yeah. Yeah. So... And, and that's how I've decided to change the store that I'm judging at. They wanted to let people pick. And I said, no, oh, we I, should I don't change it. To. Have it be secret. So, uh, yeah. The other thing is, I'm not sure if that information is public. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's on a video on WPN. Oh, okay. It's a, a video on the website that shows a guy turning over uh, his pre-release pack, and it shows... And that's how we we found out that it had the two things okay. printed on, because everyone right. thought it was a secret. Yeah, but it... Yeah, okay. Wrap it up, then. That, that's a TO That's a TO issue. They, they can figure that out. But I, I would say the intent is it should be secret. You should get a random ally. You should not get to choose who your ally is. So sorry if you get to here. Okay, this episode... We're going to skip emails one more time, although if you do want to email us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Maybe that's why Boros will be so popular is because there's no way you can get Demir's the second that's guild. That's why I love Boros. That's why I love basically whoever I'm going to pick will probably be a gatecrash guild so that I cannot get Demir. I hate Demir. Also, you can visit our website at judgecast.com where we post all the newest episodes. Uh, if this episode happened to have an ad in front of it, then you were getting it from MTGCast. If you get it from JudgeCast.com, you get a higher quality episode and ad-free before now. Get on that. Adam. Yes. I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Ah, uh, well, uh, thank you for uh, considering me to be a guest. You were, uh, when you added, was not available. You added a lot of a uh, a lot of class, a lot of British. Players. I like to think I do that. Not as much as James Elliott, though. Ooh. Ooh, oh, you sorry, can't man. really. 
convenient can't. James Alien. No, sorry. you really can't. Uh, fun fact, his father-in-law uh, came 20 miles away from where I actually came from. So it's a small world in the judge community. Isn't like the whole width of Great Britain like 25 miles? It's a, it's a bit longer than that, but I mean, 30? yeah, it's smaller oh, than oh. the state that I live in. 30 kilometers, excuse me. Oh, yes, we have to go... <laughs> We measure. use miles. <laughs> I know. That's what's weird. You hip, you uh, hypocrites. I almost called you hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> you, we were using miles before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> England. Right. Do you have anything you want to plug or contact or anything like that? Uh, I, I really can't think of anything other than if, if there's Mississippi players listening, uh, please come out to stores, uh, play in events, get involved in the community. That's what I'm trying to do now that I'm a, a new L2 is build Mississippi up and really take part in the, the Southeast region. Um, but yeah, I mean, thanks for including me on the, on the, the judge cast. No problem. And you can find Adam Absolutely. on IRC as Ratbox. Ratbox. Yeah. All right. Or, or it's got a zero in there somewhere. Yeah. Rat zero box. Zero. Why rat? Why rat box? Explain rat box. Oh. Uh, it, it, it's a long story, which CJ didn't want to have to listen to. Uh, it, 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 it's a long IRC story. Uh, I tried to mimic the name of a bot that was called something box. And my previous Yahoo was Ratcatcher 2K, which was a name from the Darkwing Duck cartoon. So I modified it to Ratbox. I'm so not interested anymore. I was, <laughs> well, hoping, was, I was hoping it was. That out. So, I mean, you redeemed it a little bit by saying Darkwing Duck, but yeah. still. All right, everybody. I would like to thank everybody for listening, particularly to that last part. <laughs> I hope you all have a lot of fun at your pre-releases. I hope this episode of Judge Cash was helpful. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. My name is Ryan Perlin. I keep I, I keep it fun? Yeah. Oh, wow. I get to say that this time. I keep it fun. Woo. My name's Adam Hubble, and I don't keep it as classy as James Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Give me two seconds. I found a way to fix my problem. Okay. A little bit like Sean Connery there, too, didn't he? He did a little bit just then. <laughs> Found way to fix more problem. Can you can, tell, say? Can you call CJ Miss Money Penny? Miss Money Penny. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that sounded nothing like Sean Connery. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I usually call Miss Money Penny. Miss Money Penny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. This needs to be the, the the end of the episode, CJ. Like after. Yeah, it probably will be. <laughs> call him Miss Money Penny. I'll try and remember. <laughs> Say suck it, Trebek. <laughs> suck it, Trebek. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like having a toy. <laughs> what else can we make him say? What else can we make him say? Say, say, I'm Chris Lansdale from Judge Cast North and we suck. I'm Chris Lansdale from Judge Cast North and we suck. Wow, that was with a Mississippian accent. I don't have a Mississippian accent. He's, yeah, I know. Right there, that was like... That was like British hillbilly. Hey, y'all. Come on now. Don't make fun of me now. <laughs> That's one word I can't say. I've, I, in like the six years I've been here, I just can't say y'all properly. You also can't say can't. I, I can't say taco and jaguar and many other things properly. Apparently jaguar. As well. taco. taco. You're a taco. It's like, <laughs> well, how do you say it? Taco, man. Taco. Like the Ta Spanish do. Taco. 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 Taco, man. Rhymes with taco for those of you that used to play second yeah. edition Dungeons and Dragons. Two hit armor, armor like class zero. Everyone knows that. Two hit armor class zero. Yes. Taco rhymes with taco. I can say thaco. <laughs> say taco. Say taco. 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 <laughs>
It sounds like I'm just making myself. But listen, I can say taco. It's not like it's impossible for me to say taco. So why can't you say taco? When I try and make that ah, it feels like my bottom jaw is like moving outwards, and it's just an unnatural movement because I don't have that sound in my language at all. Say herb, herb, herb. (laughs) It's got a. <laughs> All right. Listen. listen. <laughs> this, whole, this whole thing, this whole thing needs to be at the end. I know. 